to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello, I'm Glynis Crook. Welcome to Being Green. Delegates at last week's United Nations Environment Assembly in the Kenyan capital Nairobi reached what is being billed as an historic agreement to start negotiations on an international treaty to tackle plastic pollution. Heads of state, ministers of environment and other representatives from 175 nations endorsed the resolution to finalise a deal by 2024 that will address the full life cycle of plastic from production to use to disposal. The United Nations says plastic pollution, which has risen exponentially in the last decades, now amounts to some 400 million tons per year, 40% of which is single use. And that figure is set to double by 2040. Well, I'm joined now by Nklankla Sibisi, who's a climate and energy campaigner at Greenpeace Africa, which was party to the talks in Nairobi together with Greenpeace International. And Nklankla, Greenpeace is obviously very, very happy with the agreement, but 2024 is just two years away. How doable is this? Well, we are very happy with the commitments that have been made, and I think the hard work now needs to start because, as we know, the negotiations have now gotten a sort of a mandate and a framework on which they are going to work on. So two years, it's going to require that the different parties that are involved, the government, civil society, as well as business, to actually come up with uh, solid commitments as well as ambitious plans in terms of going forward with the negotiations. So we believe that it's doable, and we would like to also emphasize that it's doable in the sense that there's enough political will and commitment from all the parties that will be involved. Speaking about parties that are involved, two that I I can think of immediately who can't be very keen on the agreement are the big plastic producers, but also the oil industry, because single-use plastic is made from oil and it's been perceived as a huge growth market in the petrochemical sort of industry, how easy do you think they're going to be to convince um, to sign in or will will this affect the way that governments that have huge petrochemical industries be more reluctant to come to the party, so to speak? Well, we are expecting uh, some resistance uh, and this doesn't come as a surprise to us because there has been some resistance uh, for a couple of years now in terms of uh, the plastic industry as well as uh, the fossil fuel industry or your energy industry, uh, which are very much reliant on actually um, producing these these products, which is plastic. So what we are actually expecting is that the government should actually rein in on this resistance and uh, come up with commitments that will actually bring these industries at least to an agreement that gives us a legally binding treaty which is what we believe as Greenpeace Africa that um, the nations should actually adopt. But however, um, in terms of the work that needs to be done on the ground, and I'm referring to the International Negotiating Committee that is soon to be established, they'll have to come up with a proper framework as well as guidelines that will bring the industry uh, into the fold and make it a point that there's less resistance to this globally negotiated treaty. Briefly, obviously, because time's um, of an essence here, what does Greenpeace hope it'll end up saying this treaty? Well, what we are hoping for, we want to see a legally binding treaty because if it is legally binding, then it compels the different nations to actually come up with solid and ambitious policies 
that's going to reduce this plastic pollution that we are faced with. And from a scientific point of view, which is what we heavily rely on, we can see that there's enough evidence that should actually be driving national policies towards uh, mitigating this challenge that we're facing. And what we want to see is also governments bringing in policies that will also compel uh, the different industries that are producing plastic to actually adhere to this agreement. How how would it be monitored? How would it be policed? And what sort of penalties could there possibly be? Has this been discussed at all? That's one of the toughest parts in terms of uh, uh, of implementing policies because what we've noticed is that there are governments that have quite good policies. For example, policies that ban single-use plastic. But the problem is is really about policing. So if the country is truly committed to actually managing the industry from the manufacturing part to the end-use part, then hopefully we, we, we could see us moving in a positive direction or in a direction that actually helps us to reduce plastic pollution. So the way that we see it is that governments will have to truly be committed to this and have the right political will and also find the gaps because there are instances, uh, for example, where some countries, they have good policies and uh, they, they put a ban, but there are porous situations where we see that plastic do come into that country. There we have it. Let's hope that that does get sorted by 2024. As Sibisi, climate and energy campaigner at Greenpeace Africa says, Greenpeace Africa was together with Greenpeace International Party to those talks in Nairobi. And that's it for this week for Being Green. Till next week from Eglinus Crook. Take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate. FMR.